Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. This is episode 158 of the show, and this week our guest is Michelle Mercia. She's the CEO of Book and Street, and Michelle has a lot of great experience in the financial world, and her team today helps dozens of startups manage their accounting and financial needs. I definitely think that you guys are going to enjoy this episode, and as always, we hope you learn a lot. Before we jump into that interview, though, we got to take a quick moment to thank some of our incredible sponsors here at Conquering Columbus, and that starts with Small Biz Cares. Small Biz Cares is a nonprofit founded by socially conscious community leaders here in Columbus, and their goal is to connect, mobilize, and inspire small businesses to create lasting positive impact in our community. And Small Biz Cares members have the unique opportunity to join like-minded businesses to raise money for great causes, participate in large-scale volunteer efforts, and improve educational opportunities for youth in our community. To get your small business involved or to learn more, visit smallbizcares.org. That is smallbizcares.org. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit helping connect entrepreneurs to everything they need, including investors, mentors, capital, and talent through business pitch events, workshops, and classes throughout the state. And you can get more information on the web at sundownrundown.org. And now I'm going to kick it back to Josh to tell you about our last sponsor, FMX. FMX is a cloud-based facilities maintenance and management software founded and headquartered right here in Columbus, Ohio. There's a lot of competitors in this space, but FMX has made a name for itself, become the fastest-growing facilities maintenance and management software on the market on behalf of its extreme ease of use and tailored-fit approach to its clients. They serve industries ranging from education to property management, manufacturing, fast casual, and more. If you want to check out more, you can go to gofmx.com. All right, Conquerors, let's get the show on the road. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment, and I might get, you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And yeah, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to another episode of Conquering Columbus. Today on the show, we've got Michelle Mercia joining us, and Michelle is the founder and CEO of Book and Street. Specializing in private, venture-backed, and pre-IPO companies, Book and Street provides comprehensive finance and administration services that make it easy for startups to start off right, right from the start. Book and Street is your outsourced finance and administration team with fractional CFO, controllership, bookkeeping, talent acquisition, and administrative services to support your growing startup. And Michelle also spends time as the president and CFO for Gift Pocket. Uh, any of you remember we had Gift Pockets founder and CEO Brooke Yoakum on the show earlier this year. We're really excited to have Michelle on to talk about everything she's got going on. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, Michelle. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, I appreciate you joining us on a uh, 
Thursday evening, Tuesday evening. Sometimes I forget what day it is in the week, but uh, it's Thursday. It's all right, good, right? Yeah, but it's been a long day. But we're excited to have a chance to talk to you. Um, one of the first places we like to start is kind of talk about the beginning, some of the things that led up to where you are today. So your early life, career, maybe any of the key highlights that brought you to entrepreneurship and what you're doing today. Yeah, I um, I've been working as a CFO for more than ten years and um, had a background in venture capital before that. And um, that sort of led me to do what I'm doing now. I worked with a lot of startup companies over the years and got a chance to see their financial projections and their pitch decks as a VC. And, and I knew that's an area where I could provide a lot of help to get companies sort of started out correctly from the beginning, help them with financial modeling and cash flow forecasting, all sorts of strategic finance things that lead up to a capital round. But also, that's a day-to-day tactical blocking and tackling of all of the Office of the CFO responsibilities. And startups have to be really careful about, you know, how they choose to to fund the the various things that they're working on. And, you know, product development and customer acquisition are primary goals of any young startup. But they need to be able to track those customers. They need to be able to track those expenditures and, and sort of have a really good view and ability to forecast. So those sorts of things sort of led me to want to do this with uh, startups here in Central Ohio. So in the VC days when you're going through those projections and forecasts, how often were those correct? Well, 100% of the time they were incorrect, right? <laughs> and I appreciate that everyone likes to take a stab and they generally have a good sense of what their market size is and what their particular technology or service offering would convey in the marketplace from a pricing perspective. But a lot of times the um, the buildup of that pricing model and the expectations about how long it will take to get there are a little bit off. So maybe even starting a little bit further back before we dive into, I have a lot of questions I want to ask in that area and everything that you just covered, but even back before that in terms of college and where you grew up, was it here in Central Ohio or did you did you commute here? No, I grew up in Southern California. I um, relocated here going on 17 and a half years ago now, and um, I where literally thought... I grew up in Redondo Beach. Redondo Beach? Okay, so I'm from San Diego. Nice. Well, I reloaded to San Diego 10 years before that. So okay. 27 years ago, I moved to North County Coastal San Diego. Mm-hmm. Absolutely loved it. I had a great opportunity to come and work with Battelle and their venture management group to help spin out companies from um, Battelle and the National Labs. And I thought I'd be here for two years, for real. I'm like, there's <laughs> no way. <laughs> there's just no way that I would live here. I mean, long term. I came here for college. Yeah. <laughs> they get you. They get you at OSU every right. time. Yeah. No, I um, I went to the MBA program at night while I was working for Battelle. It was like one of the winning factors of me accepting the offer was that um, I would be able to start at OSU and the night program right away uh, to get my MBA. So I stayed. I loved it. I just absolutely um, love the culture here in the Midwest. And we have such a burgeoning startup community. I, I can't imagine not being here right now. So you wrapped up Battelle, and then how did things start to unfold from that point? So I left Battelle. I was managing Battelle's venture fund portfolio as a fund of funds investor and managing some direct equity investments into portfolio companies, doing M&A and things like that. And, and one of the funds that... And uh, just, sorry to interrupt that. Like, that seems like a lot right out of college. Were you right out of undergrad then? Was that one of your oh, first no. jobs? No, 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 okay. no. No, I, um, I actually uh, worked in a number of different companies in California before I moved here. I worked for an investment banking firm that did municipal bond underwriting um, and investment banking for tax allocation and other types of bond structures for a number of years. Um, and I worked for 
a few different startups, one pre-IPO company that did their S1 registration statement in the 90s, the day that the market <laughs> crashed, the day the tech bubble burst. So it was kind Oof. of a bummer. Yeah. Um, it was a sad day. They eventually did go public. They were acquired by a publicly traded company. So everyone did eventually have liquidity in their stock, which is great. I left there to, uh, to join a company called Maxwell Technologies, which is in the power storage space. They do ultra-capacitor technologies and things like that. Um, that was a publicly traded company, and I came to Battelle from there. Battelle is kind of like a bigger version of Maxwell in a lot of ways. They have a lot of energy technologies, so it was kind of a good crossover. But I was always in corporate finance roles or finance roles. Okay, so from Battelle then, we you get your MBA. Yeah. Right, I, and then where do we go from Battelle? So from Battelle, I, like I said, I was managing some of their venture capital funds, and one of their funds, Fletcher Spate Ventures, wanted to open an office in Ohio, and they asked me to help them do that. So I left Battelle. The job shared me for a little while while I was managing the disposition of the original spin-out portfolio, and it helped Fletcher Spate open their investment office here in Ohio to further their um, investment strategy in the Midwest. So when you said they reached out to you, like it's always interesting to hear how people's careers unfold and they say these different engagements, I got the phone call or, you know, they, they, they contacted me and said they wanted me to do this. Like, did you inquire about a post in the head or they just knew about your name throughout the community? No, I was there. I was their um, LP. So as a limited partner in their fund, they asked me to, to help them in Ohio. And Patel was a great partner in that as well. They were very interested in continuing uh, venture capital investment in the region as well. So it wasn't a direct conflict of interest for them either. How is that role different from managing the capital at, at Patel that you were you were managing and the, the firm you were managing there? So I guess I'm guessing there's different strategies and different mindsets when you're at a venture capital firm versus at a place like Patel that is more focused on merger and acquisition and research. Yeah, so when you're when you're an LP investor and you're managing like a fund of funds portfolio, you're looking at venture funds and what individual companies and technology areas they're investing in. So you make a decision based on their investment thesis and then they're going to invest in 20 or so funds. Battelle had a great corporate venture capital strategy in that they were really looking to bring market knowledge into their research environment. So by investing in funds that invested in energy, we would have access to the latest energy innovations and, and to understand what sort of portfolio companies, the, ones, the companies we were investing in, were investing in. So the viewpoint that I had was from a very high level. So we were invested in more than 13 funds. Each of those funds had 10 or so, 10 to 20 individual investments. So I was sort of tracking it from the, what all are we invested in? Do we have this many power storage companies, this many solar companies, this many medical device companies, and so forth? So we invested across a couple of different areas of interest that aligned very much with their corporate strategy. So it was health and life sciences, sort of security and technology, and then energy technology. Okay, so Battelle, it's more about coverage and making sure that the funds that you're investing in are also invested in the areas that Battelle, it, you know, would sync with Battelle's overall corporate yeah, strategy. Yeah, that and was their strategy. At, as you move to a venture capital firm, what changed there? 
Well, they had a very specific investment focus. They were very specifically laser focused on healthcare and IT and the intersection of those two in the marketplace. Um, so it, it was very much uh, further streamlined and funneled down from that broader approach. And they were interested in investing in a very specific number of companies that was part of their investment thesis for their fund. So, and around what year is this that you start there? Hmm. I want to say it was um, 2007, maybe? Okay. 2007. And then how long did you stay there? So I worked with them for two years. And during my tenure there, I, I secured an office at Tech Columbus, which is now Rev1, and joined their investment committee and their deal flow assessment committees. And, and through those interactions with, with the folks at Tech Columbus, was made aware of the opportunity that they were looking for a CFO. And so I kind of said, I always wanted to be a CFO when I grew up, so wouldn't that be fun? And, um, and so, yeah, I ended up being the, the CFO of Tech Columbus for three years. It was great. We did a lot of cool stuff there. And then talk about kind of how your, again, once again, your responsibilities change as you, as you jump into another role, but then also, um, and Tech Columbus at that point, were they focused on, were they a VC firm at the time, or did they have other yeah. focuses? Okay, so yeah. it was just... Becoming the CFO of a VC firm, essentially. Yeah, I think that the the focus is is perhaps a bit narrow and very much focused on being a VC firm um, at Rev1 now. But when it was Tech Columbus, there was a physical um, incubation facility, coaching, mentoring, and support services. There was a membership organization, which was kind of like a tech council that you see in most major metropolitan areas. And then there was also the investment funds, both for-profit and not-for-profit. Okay. Okay, and so you get your first CFO role, and what did you learn while you were there? And, and what, after that, do you pivot right into Book and Street, or is there more to go still there? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it was pretty extensive. I think we had six different operating entities that we were consolidating. So from a like geeked-out accounting perspective, it was <laughs> kind of fun. And um, for-profit, not-for-profit, fund accounting, you know, you had... Uh, quite a bit of in investment opportunity there. So the investment groups did fall under my purview as well. And so you had, you know, a bunch of different aspects to that role that were pretty compelling. So it was kind of like, you know, the exposure that I had in the corporate finance world um, from the various roles that I had at Battelle over the years, coupled with, you know, public company financial reporting and all the things that I did before I came to Battelle were really good. Um, backdrop for everything that I did while I was at Tech Columbus. Um, I had a great opportunity to help sort of launch an initiative to focus on energy companies in central Ohio that led to my involvement in the creation of an organization called Ohio's Advanced Energy Economy. And my first consulting gig outside of, um, outside of Tech Columbus was as their launch CEO. So helping to set up and stand up a whole new organization was a lot of fun. It was a startup in and of itself. Mm -hmm. um, and I just knew that I could add a lot of value there and it just proliferated from there to lots of other companies with lots of other needs. Yeah, and it was so advanced energy, right? Like are we talking solar, wind? You're talking about energy power? efficiency and renewable energy technologies, yeah. Okay, see I could probably talk about that for hours, but uh, uh, there's, a lot going on in Columbus, and that's one of the things I love about Columbus, right? Coming from California, when I first got to Columbus, I felt like, hey, you know what? Like, there's no 
not everybody's got a recycling bin, like all this stuff. It just didn't seem, but we're, we've pivoted that a lot since I've been here and I can see we're kind of heading on the right path, but sorry, I'm getting completely sidetracked here. I guess you, so you take that one first consulting gig and your time as a CEO and then you pivot into a bunch of different other relationships. I guess my, my question would be is when did you realize, Hey, I'm just going to take off. Is that like, are you completely on your own at that point? Yeah. Come on. Right. Completely on my own. No, it was, it was just, um, I was just like kind of one of the luckiest people in the world, right? I, the first opportunity was a great one. It was a powerful one. It very much spoke to what I wanted to do, what I wanted to be when I grew up, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and from there, just through relationships that I had over the years with other VCs, other CEOs, you know, mm-hmm. bankers, accountants, other people, lots of lawyers, um, one referral after the other sort of led to being completely overbooked relatively quickly mm-hmm. and um, just led me to sort of think that, that this was something that could be a larger service offering with a lot more people than just me um, bringing my expertise to the game. So if you kind of put a pin in your life at that point and you're reflecting back on you know, what you got your degree in and every position that you've taken up till that point, what really stands out to you that helped you continue to excel in your career and, and be successful? Because a lot of people, you know, they'll spend a large amount of their career working, but they'll never reach, um, you know, the same levels that, that you've been fortunate to hold. So what do you think kind of helped you stand out and helped you continue to rise to the top in your different uh, different different companies? I don't know. I guess there's there's two things I could say. It's like the, the determination of wanting to constantly improve kind of lends itself for people that have that to, to really kind of line themselves up with a success. And it has a lot to do with your willingness to give of yourself to things that you're passionate about. And I've, I've just always kind of looked at myself as someone who could be helpful. I'm not gonna hold back my opinions, my thoughts, my helpfulness, because I feel like there's nothing tangible in it for me. <laughs> so I would say, you know, if I have advice for anyone, it's to take every opportunity that you're given, take the challenges that are put in front of you and accept them or reject them. It's all up to you. You know, don't make your life short by working with a bunch of assholes because <laughs> life is way too short for that. But, you know, if there's people that value you, they're going to they're gonna help you along your way. And the people that aren't, they're just not going to, no matter how hard you try. So just you know, see where your path is leading you and, and take every opportunity that you get to, to prove yourself. I would say also the quality of your work is, is something that speaks for itself. And so although I, I consider myself very fortunate, I know that my ability to secure clients is based on the work that I do and the work that my team does, and that helps a lot. All right, Conquerors, we're going to take a quick break here in the show to tell you about a group called Columbus Gives Back. If you're looking for a way to get involved in your community, but you don't know where and how to start, look no further than Columbus Gives Back. By partnering with over 150 Central Ohio nonprofits, Columbus Gives Back makes volunteering fun and easy by offering 30 to 40 volunteer events each month that are free of cost, commitment, and hassle. Sign up for your first event today at columbusgivesback.org. That's columbusgivesback.org. All right, let's get back into the episode. So from a young professional standpoint, too, you know, sometimes it can be difficult to figure out where you draw the line in terms of how much of yourself do you give to your career and and where do I stop and say, okay, you know, I have, I am giving it all I got, but I got to continue to do that balancing that everybody talks about. Was there ever concern for you throughout that path about balance or was it, 
um, you were just so so passionate about what you were doing. Was it all in on work or? It was all in on work. And uh, and a full, just, I'm going to put it out here right now. I don't have kids. So uh, for people who do, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to balance that, right? Because you have a lot of different sort of life demands on you that I don't have. But, but I can say, you know, I, I make time for the things that are of interest to me. And, you know, doing a good job is one of those things. Making myself available is part of how that works. And, I mean, you're, so you see a poet over, you know, four or five different startups today and you're involved with running your own company. And is that, you gave me a face like maybe that wasn't quite right. Well, so, so, so in the month of May, I think we had 17 clients okay. that we were working so with. So 17 companies. <laughs> yeah. Let's, uh, yeah, that's a little yeah. more than four or five. Uh, so how do you balance all of that? I mean, is there, what's the process in place? There's got to be some sort of process in place to make sure that everybody gets enough attention and that you know, as a CFO of each one, you're applying yourself in a way that makes sense. I feel like I would lose my mind. Like I, Josh gives me like two or three projects at a time and I start dropping things. So how do you keep all that together? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, we have a, a team of people that deliver service to, to that many clients, to be clear. We don't necessarily do all of the range of services for every client. So we've worked on in... Um, in May, a couple of M&A projects that are very high-level strategic financial modeling and extrapolating and sort of like, you know, financial performance documents that CFO-level employees perform. So we now have two CFOs, myself and one other, and we have three controllers, and each of those controllers um, does the majority of sort of the accounting and bookkeeping for for each of the clients, and each one of those handles three or four different companies. So it does make it a little bit more dispersed than just me. That being said, I review and overview all of the work that sort of goes out the door, so I have a pretty good handle on everything that's going on at all times. Okay. And you mentioned three controllers and then, and then yourself and another CFO. Is that the, the entire team is five people? No, we have we have uh, an operations manager who does all the client onboarding. So that would be you know sort of setting up your systems from the start, setting up your QuickBooks, getting everything linked up into our systems. Gusto for payroll, just works for payroll. You know, are you going to use Expensify or not? All these tools that are available for startups today are pretty amazing. We have a part-time client success analyst that helps kind of manage people through the process if they're working on something that's um, that's sort of a big system setup or something like that. He's willing to step in and help there. Um, he's with us primarily during the summer um, while he's uh, out of school, which is great. Uh, he's been on our team now for the second year, which is fantastic. And then we have a part-time stock plan administrator that works with us um, as we manage equity-based compensation plans for clients as well. Okay, and then what are the goals for the growth there? I mean, you said you added another CFO. Do you have goals for growth moving forward? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we'd love to have four CFOs, right? I mean, the 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 ebbs and flows of the the work that we perform it's it's kind of exciting. It's um, it manages to grow quarter over quarter, year over year, in a very meaningful way, and we're ready to scale to meet that challenge. And it's CEO of Book and Street. Do you still currently handle some of that CFO work? When do you see yourself backing out yeah. of that? Oh, no. Never? <laughs> I still handle it. No, I don't think so. I, I like to keep my finger on the pulse. Okay. And, um, yeah, I mean, all the companies I work with are pretty exciting. 
Mm-hmm. I, I won't name names. I mean, you did mention Gift Pocket, but but they're all fantastic companies, and they're well on their way to kind of clawing their way to the top. You know, everybody's trying as hard as they can, working as fast as they can to stay ahead of technology curves, service curves, whatever it is. How many years now have we been in business? So I rebranded in January of 2018 to Book and Street. And so I've been doing this since 2012. And prior to the rebrand? 2011. Uh, 2011. Okay, 2011. So mm-hmm. while it's a significant period of time, what sparked the rebrand? Um, so it, it so it's uh, not just the Michelle show anymore, right? It's it's a whole team of us, and so I had to, you know, create a brand that would sort of signify a lot about what we do, which mm-hmm. is Book and Street. It stands for Book Smart and Street Smart. You know, we're kind of better under that umbrella than we are just having you know one person sort of at the lead and directing all of the activities. We can sort of expand out and provide a variety of services in a different sort of a branded environment. And then, you know, Mike mentioned a little bit about the future goals. So as you look out like three to five years, I've never been in the VC space myself. But from what I understand a lot about it, um, or what I understand about it is that sometimes if you are um, a part of the firm, you'll jump off into a portfolio company at some stage, they'll ask you to be a part of it, and you'll kind of grow with that company in some type of leadership or management position. For your CFOs that are working on these different companies, like, do you envision that being a route for them, or do you envision them staying with you and then the company's leaving once they bring in their CFOs internally, or how does that look? Well, we that's one of the primary reasons why we only work with startups. The goal is that we won't be working with them forever if they're tremendously successful. Our next course of action is to help them find their full-time controller and then their full-time CFO. Most of them, you know, the reason why this works so well on a fractional basis is nobody needs a full-time CFO. And if they've got one, it's probably not a CPA. It's probably not someone with, you know, 10, 12 years worth of CFO experience or controllership experience, even from the accounting perspective. So our goal is to get them to the point where they're large enough where they can just rely on us for the strategic and we can backfill with a controller that can be their day-to-day full-time senior accountant or controller. And we'll help them staff that person. We do all sorts of talent acquisition in the same way that if you had an on, on-site CFO, they'd be helping in the recruiting process. But we, uh, our, our ultimate goal is to put ourselves out of work in companies that are extremely successful. We can continue on in a strategic role and provide support and talent acquisition and stock plan administration when they have their own controller, but the goal is really to help them grow. Now, if someone on our team just absolutely fell in love with a client and the client absolutely fell in love with them, by all means, you know, we would, we would certainly let that relationship evolve naturally, but, um, but that hasn't happened yet. What about your personal goals for the future, maybe outside of uh, Book and Street? Do you have anything long-term that you're envisioning? Oh my gosh. <laughs> someday I'd like to retire. Right. <laughs> not today. That's a big one. <laughs> yeah, someday I'd like to retire. Um, no, I mean, my husband and I travel quite a bit and mm-hmm. we're very um, outdoorsy and athletic. So, you know, my, my kind of goals, it's like, you know, do a century or right. <laughs> run another half marathon or stuff like that, but nothing in particular jumps out. I, uh, I think that Probably a good place, Michelle, to pivot towards kind of one of our last questions of the show. It's, it's centered around the theme here on Conquering Columbus, and uh, that's live uncomfortably. Okay. And without telling you too much about why we chose that one in particular, what do you think of when you hear the phrase, how does it apply to your life and career? To live uncomfortably? Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Well, 
if you ever try to expand something, you're, you know what it's like to live uncomfortably as you're sort of building up a team, bringing people on board. Um, we're not venture backed, right? Uh, this is privately funded by me. So, um, so yeah, the I live very uncomfortably when we're expanding and bringing on team members and having to build up a client base around that rather than having it evolve sort of naturally. That's very different. I've never been one to go out and sell our services. So um, all of the business that we have is word of mouth. And it's only recently that we're really kind of going out there in a concerted effort and making people aware of what we do other than people that don't already just know us. So kind of that's kind of on the edge for me. Yeah, yeah, I can be, especially talking. I mean, uh, sorry, I'm getting a little uh, off track, but I mean, going out for the first time, I, I want to dig in a little more to that. Like, what was that experience like going out? Like, are you out on the front lines talking to people? Are you calling people, asking for referrals? Like, what's the uh, strategy there? Well, so not exactly. It's a little more of a soft sell, right? Mm -hmm. we, we like to make people aware of what we do. So we go to events around town. Um, you know, there's folks on, on my team that uh, do a great job of sort of, you know, being involved in the community and, you know, volunteering and giving their time and efforts to, to making things uh, happen in the startup community. And yeah, we have a lot of relationships with bankers and accounting firms and, you know, folks like that. There's great entrepreneurs that we work with today or have worked with in the past that are excellent referral sources. That's all the kind of softer sell. So yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to do that. It's easy to, to have a good reputation and have people spread that around. Yeah, I think the hard part is maintaining that good reputation, but Michelle, uh, uh, really appreciate you taking the time to join us on the show. You got any last words for our listeners here on Conquering Columbus? Gosh, no. Just keep crushing it out there, startup <laughs> guys and gals, and um, we'll be here to help you when you're ready to grow. All right. Well, thanks again, Michelle. And Conquerors, thanks a lot for tuning in. That was Michelle Mercia of Book and Street. If you want to learn more about their team, go ahead and check out the links down in the show notes. And again, if you liked that episode, you learned a lot, leave us a like, share us on Facebook, rate us on iTunes, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, whatever podcast app you're listening to this on we really appreciate all your support and we'll talk to you next week hey conquerors that's it for the episode today hope you guys enjoyed that episode and learned a lot if you did make sure to leave a like share us on facebook with your friends we really appreciate all your support and every time you share our podcast or leave a review on itunes it really does help us out before we let you go we want to take one last moment to thank all of our incredible sponsors here at conquering columbus and that starts with Small Biz Cares. Small Biz Cares is a nonprofit founded by socially conscious community leaders here in Columbus. And their goal is to connect, mobilize, and inspire small businesses to create lasting positive impact in our community. And Small Biz Cares members have the unique opportunity to join like-minded businesses to raise money for great causes, participate in large-scale volunteer efforts, and improve educational opportunities for youth in our community. To get your small business involved or to learn more, visit smallbizcares.org. That is smallbizcares.org. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit helping connect entrepreneurs to everything they need, including investors, mentors, capital, and talent through business pitch events, workshops, and classes throughout the state. And you can get more information on the web at sundownrundown.com. Dot o -R -G. And now I'm going to kick it back to Josh to tell you about our last sponsor, FMX. 
FMX is a cloud-based facilities maintenance and management software founded and headquartered right here in Columbus, Ohio. There's a lot of competitors in this space, but FMX has made a name for itself, become the fastest-growing facilities maintenance and management software on the market on behalf of its extreme ease of use and tailored-fit approach to its clients. They serve industries ranging from education to property management, manufacturing, fast casual, and more. If you want to check out more, you can go to gofmx.com. If you could drop me anywhere on the planet, in any environment, and I might get you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus.